the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That CBS Sports senior executive NFL draft expert extraordinaire, Ryan Wilson. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat. Your questions... NFL draft related or otherwise for Ryan, go ahead and throw them in. We're going to grab a bunch of them. And before we get out of here, we'll do some live audience Q and a, uh, with Ryan. So we're very excited for those of you who don't know, Ryan, um, he has been part of the CBS family and, and our friend and coworker now since 2010, right? 2011 close 2011. Yeah. I mean, this is like, we've done, uh, NFL drafts together. We've been all over the place. <laughs> we we've did done- do that. We've done crossover podcasts, and and so now to uh, to have him on the Cover Three podcast, this is a, a real joy, and we're excited we were able to do it. Uh, just to get things started, for those who have not been listening to with the First Pick podcast, which is hosted by Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman, former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings, then you might not know that our man has been on the road. So just to sort of where you're at right now in your NFL draft process, uh, you've been on pro days. So sort of take us through like. What was your path and and who did you go see? Um, Like what schools did you go to for your pro day tour? Yeah. So this was just a flyer because I was like, there's no way CBS is going to let us go to pro days because we don't have broadcast rights. That's an NFL network and ESPN thing. And, but here's the thing, man, like Rick Spielman, more than 30 years NFL experience, 10 years as the bike control manager. He knows a lot of people. He is basically the mayor of whatever town he walks into. And more importantly, he is an absolute great dude. Like he will, he doesn't like to talk about it and it makes it very uncomfortable. He starts lashing out uh, like a three-year-old, but he is deep (laughs) down. He will do anything for you. And in addition to that, he knows everybody. So we started off the trip. We flew into Cincinnati, drove two hours to Columbus. You guys might know his brother, Chris Billman, one of the best Mm -hmm. players in college football history, Hall of Famer at Ohio State. Uh, His, his, Wife who passed away from cancer has a, a the cancer center named after her. Once you when when you drive in, you see it off the highway, and like he is, he's the Pope of, of Columbus. So it's we also go one there. Of the best color analysts for college football, and he is a opinion. fantastic color. You're exactly right, and he will if you 
I met him at the combine. Great guy. I saw him at another one of the pro days and he will happily talk about the time that he, he claims that he is the first guy to ever draw a penis on the telestrator and get yes, called out for yes, it yes. in awful announcing. And he, he pulled up the picture and said, uh, yeah, I learned that you have to be careful what you draw when you draw plays. But, um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, Cornelli. So we go to Columbus, go to the pro day there because Spielman Spielman, we get all access passes. So they, what they do is they, they crowd the, the media, like between the five yard line and the end zone in one corner and they can't see anything. Spielman's like, we're good. So we're walking in, we're, we're standing next to the players as they weigh in. And that's typically how it starts. They weigh in, get their measurements, uh, do the vertical leap and all that. And then we can walk into everyone on the field, watch the forties, watch the three cone drill, chit chat. Like he's talking to everyone that he knows from the league. I know like two or three people. So I'll, I'll talk to them and, and try to look important. Went from there, <laughs> drove from Columbus back to Cincinnati, flew down that night to Birmingham, drove an hour to Tuscaloosa in a black convertible Mustang, by the way, why they Ooh. gave it to middle-aged men. I have no idea. So Tuscaloosa the next day, again, like Rick did work with, with Nick Saban and the Alabama players in the fall. He would go down there and speak to them about the process and, and giving them guidance and stuff. So he knew all the players there. And uh, again, another great pro day. I didn't even mention the pro day. CJ Stroud had a great pro day. Paris Johnson Jr. had a great pro day. Dewan Jones made Spielman and a lot of folks were incredibly angry because he wouldn't work out. That huge wingspan uh, didn't work out. Didn't even get weight. So people are like, okay, does he weigh 400 pounds? Does he weigh 375 like he did the senior bowl? No one knew. Bryce Young had a great workout. Jameer Gibbs, like we all knew he was good in person. You're like, okay, sweet Jesus alive. This guy is so incredibly quick. There it is. I mentioned Jameer Gibbs. Bud Elliott shows up. Hey, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going yeah, through my quick. pro day tour. Went to Tuscaloosa, then drove back to Birmingham, flew back to Cincinnati, then drove whatever, southeast, uh, southwest, excuse me, to Kentucky to see Will Levis. Came home for a week last week. A week later, we were in Gainesville to see, of course, Anthony Richardson do his thing. And um, now I'm back home for for a couple of days before the next thing comes up. But that was great. Like, I had never done pro days it, right. back to back to back. And to see those players up close and personal what was was nice because you typically don't see that even if you're in the press box at the game. And to see how big they are, how fast they are, how strong their arms are, how, run, how fast they run or whatever. Uh, it was a great experience for me. And, and Spielman points out all the time that, you know, it's just one last chance to see these guys and see them in a different way. Yeah, they're in shorts and T-shirts and they're throwing against air. But you can see how hard, how good Will Levis's arm is. You can see how good Anthony Richardson's arm is. You can see how well C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young layer the balls to the second and third level. So that that was great for me. And, and I think we got some good podcasts out of it. We I don't know if you guys saw, but Rick got us in the Ohio State team room. We did the uh, the Alabama podcast from the practice field, and then we did the Florida podcast from the Florida uh, the Florida team room as well. So things that Ryan Wilson doors that I don't even know where they are, much less today. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think that in the pro days cycle a lot can change? Like from the, like, is it only uh, you know confirming what some of these teams or what you or other scouts have already thought, or is it is there real like shifting and movement that can happen in terms of what ha like this that stage in the process? It's silly to say, but there is going to be shifting and moving. And I'll give you an example. Like we saw CJ, Bryce, Will, and then Anthony in that order. And Bryce, Rick, and I both agreed probably had the best pro day. CJ was 1B, and then Anthony, and then Will. And I think what happened is when you see Will Levis in person, he looks like a, a linebacker from the waist up. I don't mm -hmm. know if you saw those pictures he put on Twitter. They were sort of weird. Like, he weighed 224, and he got to 234 or whatever, and he looks jacked in both pictures. But, like, Rick said, why are you, do like, why are you putting that out there? You're supposed to lead a football team. And he didn't interview well from some of the folks I spoke with with some of the NFL teams, so that might be a concern. So what happens now, Chip, is that not only you see him in person, 
you're getting the medicals, you're getting like the psychological evaluations, you're getting all the cognitive testing stuff, and that's all coming in at the same time. And I think that helps paint a picture. Uh, but Will Levis looks sort of stiff, upper body, whereas Anthony Richardson's rocked up, but he's very fluid. And I describe Bryce Young as probably everything he does is effortless, even though he's 5'10". Anthony Richardson was also effortless in his throws. And all his throws were down the field, by the way, because he struggles with these sort of quick quick game stuff. And But Will felt like he was – everything had to be perfect. And it felt like if he made a mistake, it was going to be an issue. Um, that's the perception. I don't know what he was thinking. And I think that did change some opinions because afterwards Rick said, I think I'm not as high on Will Levis as I was. And after the Anthony Richardson pro day, I said – so do you think Anthony's going to be a top 10 pick? And, and Rick, you know, because Rick's old school and he's like, you know, experience, size, all that other stuff. He goes, uh, I think he might be a top five pick. So it, it does affect you fairly or not, because at the end of the day, it's just a pro day. And right. the issues with Anthony is lack of experience and how does he get through his reads. And at a pro day, who the hell knows, right? Yeah. I, from the people I talk to, I've been hearing a lot of the same kind of stuff between Levis and Richardson. Like everybody – is in that young Stroud kind of 1A, 1B. They have different preferences, like, you know, there's concerns about Bryce's size, but other than that, they think he's perfect. There's concerns about Stroud's, you know, improvisational skills. But with Levis and Richardson, it has been over the last month, everybody I talked to, Levis is slowly dropping down in the eyes of most, and Richardson keeps climbing higher and higher. And like you said, Rick told you, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top five pick at this point either. Hey, can I ask Bud a question? Yeah. So, Bud, what's the thinking when Will Levis is 23, he can't beat out Sean Clifford? And look, you can make the argument that Joe Flacco couldn't beat out Tyler Palco either. I get that, but that was in 2008. Is there a case to be made that Will Levis is going to be okay as an NFL quarterback? Or are there concerns going back to coming out of school in Connecticut and transferring? Or, like, what's the thinking? Because I don't know really what happens before they get to the NFL in terms of how these players are viewed. So, I mean, just from what I saw of him in Kentucky, I, I thought Kentucky's offensive line. Did, you guys hear me okay? So it should made a face. <laughs> you guys got me? There you go. All right. So, I had yard work done, and they, they, they cut my fiber optic cable. So, today, between 12 and 4, <laughs> so I'm, we, we are we're living that hot spot life. To, I got Ryan Wilson pulled up on my phone. Um, so, I, like, I'm, I'm usually got the screens. You, you can see, like, I moved my office to this little – loft thing we had in our house which is like why i'm always super zoomed in with my cool background you can see everything else in my office it's like i don't know it's eight feet wide maybe all right so <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're struggle busting this thing today if you want to cut me off cut me off um i, I think kentucky's awesome. offensive line just straight up sucked this year right yeah they like, did Kentucky's yeah. offensive line was was hot trash like they were very bad and i thought their offensive coaching was poor right nick saban came and jacked their really good offensive line coach i don't think they replaced him as well they lost their OC to the Rams, and I don't think the replacement was very good. I still saw like a lot of good plays by Levis that he made. And I thought he maybe should have shut it down, I guess, at times when yeah. he was hurt. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's a bit of a concern that he gets beat out. But at the same time, like, Justin Fields couldn't overtake uh, – shoot. Jake Fromm. Played for Georgia. Yeah, it was it – was, I'm guessing out of the league or not, certainly not, not a factor in the league. Yeah. He's um, out. I, don't, I just, I like all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like all four of these guys better than anybody in last year's class. I think. Um, is that your read on it too, Ryan? Like, is this? Oh, that's, that's yeah. Curious. Like, Do you like Levis more than you like Pickett? I didn't like Pickett coming out. Yeah. Like he was my QB three or four. I, I, 
<laughs> I love Bud. Like Bud is like Max Headroom right now because he's uh he's working on twenty five pixels. <laughs> I feel terrible, man. <laughs> if I kill the ca- if I kill the camera, is it better? Should you just go Avatar. I don't know. Let me see. That's <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. Super Bub 64. <laughs> Super Bub 64. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh, man. I love this. Hey, it's rare that you get to see Bud smile. So I like to see Bud smile, uh, <laughs> even if it's at his expense. So this is great. <laughs> oh, oh, but God. I was going to say, to answer your question, Fornelli, um, no, because I didn't like Kenny Pickett. I don't like to brag about it, but Matt Corral was my QB one a year ago. And, yeah. um, Apparently the off-field issues I didn't take into account as much as probably I should have, and they're going to draft a quarterback, so his his future in the NFL is is, is interesting. But Kenny Pickett was older. I thought his 2021 tape was okay. His 2020 tape wasn't great. Um, Jordan Addison was a big part of the success he had. But look, here's the other thing: you don't know. It's hard to predict. Number two, if you go to a good system, you might have success. He went to a good system. Uh, the the Steelers struggled early, but they figured it out. Brock Purdy is the ultimate ex- example, of course, and you feel like. If Will Levis went to Kyle Shanahan, they probably win 12 games next year just because it's Kyle Shanahan. And it makes you wonder why do other teams struggle to have the infrastructure in place? Now, Kyle Shanahan's a, you know, he's a genius, um, whether you like the 49ers or not. But why why is it so hard to get the infrastructure in place to support a quarterback? Because you feel like any quarterback, you throw him on the 49ers, he's going to have more success there than he would anywhere else. Maybe the Saints with Sean Payton. We'll see what happens with Russ Wilson now that Sean Payton's there. Uh, but I wasn't a huge Kenny Pickett guy. I didn't like Des Ritter because he struggled with accuracy. Um, who else? Oh, Malik Willis is basically Anthony Richardson, but 5'10 and less yes. experience. And, it, you know, the list goes on and on. There was a quarterback. Oh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell actually liked, and hopefully he has success this year. I was surprised he lasted the fifth round. I never figured out why. Uh, that office at UNC, you guys know better than I do, is sort of weird. Anyway, so t- sometimes it's hard to project what you're doing in a simplified offense when you get to the next level. And he played one game last year for, for the Commanders. I think he looked pretty good. He'll get an opportunity this year, it feels like, unless they draft a quarterback. But um, this class, Bud's exactly right. I mean, these five guys might go before Kenny Pickett goes off the board if they were all in the same group. Was it that you Sam Howell wasn't he? I'm sorry, you what's that, Bud? five guys. You, you said five guys. Like, oh, sorry, four, four guys. Four, four, you're right. Oh, okay. Five guys last year. That's yeah. right. Was was it that Sam Howell doesn't eat chicken or only eats chicken? Because I bet you that's what impacted it. He had never had a burger. It was there we go, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why. Well, yeah, the milk in the coffee thing means you're not getting drafted then. Mayonnaise in the coffee. Mayonnaise, yeah. Milk yeah. is okay. <laughs> milk, milk's yeah, okay. I, I put milk in my coffee. I, I should be drafted. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the mayonnaise thing is kind of weird. I, I would consider that a character red flag. I don't know. Like, maybe you could talk to Rick about that because I don't know how front offices view that. But me, I just feel like that's terrible decision making. It's um, weird. It's weird. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cream. And he's, sometimes you add mayonnaise to, like other food items. I mean, how does chicken salad get creamy, huh? It's with some Duke's mayonnaise, all right? So do you, <laughs> That's do you, it. you that put mayonnaise in your coffee? Not is that creamy. what we're learning? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I'm black coffee, always. All right, so this is uh, a question from uh, JR while we're sitting here. On, and again, if, if you're watching live, we do appreciate it. Smash the subscribe, smash the like. Uh, if you've got a question for Ryan, throw it in there. We will pepper them throughout the show and collect a bunch here uh, at the end. Since we are talking about quarterbacks, and since you had that great point about the fit and what you step into, who are like what? N- not necessarily who's going to pick these quarterbacks, but what are some places that would be good fits 
for some of these top quarterbacks, uh, a CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, Will Levis, and otherwise, you know, if 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 all was equal and we were drafted from scratch, just with coaching staffs and systems. Who, who do you think would be some good fits for these guys? Well, the easy answer, and you can stick any name you want, like picking five are the Seattle Seahawks because they got that pick from Denver because of Russ Wilson. Picking six are the Detroit Lions for the Matthew Stafford trade. And even pick seven are Las Vegas and Josh McDaniels. Any of those picks seem to make sense. Uh, Seattle and Detroit, because those are actually established football teams, uh, they lean on the run game. They have coaching staffs that aren't going anywhere, front offices that aren't going anywhere. And you can go there. And even Anthony Richardson isn't even mentioned here, but you can go to Seattle and sit for a year and there's no stress to be pushed out there because what happens, I mean, Zach Wilson is sort of an example. Like maybe he shouldn't have been drafted so high. That's another example. I bring up to Spielman all the time. I was like, you went to that pro day and you fell in love because he did all those crazy things. And Rick always says, here's what happened. So he was making all these off-platform throws and they were great and the arm strength, yada, yada, yada. Uh, But the issue is when you're playing at BYU and playing that level of talent, it's a huge step up when you're going to the NFL and guys are trying to run you down and, and you're not able to play inside a system. But in terms of whether it's Stroud, Young, or Levis, like Seattle, easy. Detroit, easy, because you sit behind Jerry Goff for a year or two. And Vegas would be interesting to see if Josh McDaniels could take the next step with a quarterback that wasn't Tom Brady. He's supposed to be able to do that. Got rid of Derek Carr. They have Jimmy Garoppolo now. We'll see what happens there. Um <clears throat> I mean, the Eagles aren't drafting a quarterback. The Titans, I, I have concerns about the direction they're going. I say that every year because it's unclear. I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach, but it feels like there's no real cohesive plan other than let Derrick Henry do damage and let Brian Tannehill not turn the ball over until he does in January. Um, the Patriots are interesting because there's reports that Bill Belichick and Mac Jones uh, aren't on the same page. I don't know. I can't understand why Mac Jones would be pissed off that a defensive coordinator – uh, would be calling plays terribly for him and, and you know, sort of sideline his career early on. But those would be some early landing spots. Like the Buccaneers pick 19. They're not going to have a chance at, at – maybe Levis is there, but they're not going to have a chance at the first two guys. But I don't even know if they're a good landing spot now because they're going through so much upheaval. But I, I think the, the Ravens, I mean, what happens with Lamar – um, and you can build a running game. Anthony Richardson is a natural fit there just because he could fill in for Lamar. Lamar came out of that pro-style office at Louisville, and we sometimes forget that. And I think he gets short shrift on that. But I'll just stick with Seattle, Detroit, Las Vegas. They pick five, six, and seven. And it's not a Houston situation where you have to play right away. It's not a Carolina situation where you have to play right away. And there are a lot of questions because both those teams only managed three wins last year. I do think, like you mentioned Josh McDaniels. I do think of these quarterbacks, since we're talking fits, I think Stroud is the most Josh McDaniels QB. I just don't think there's any way in hell he falls to them unless they trade up. Yeah, and so you have to trade up to three where the Cardinals currently sit, and then you're still probably going to have to pick from Anthony Richardson and Will Levis because mm-hmm. I think one and two, whatever your favorite flavor of ice cream is, is going to be C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And like Bryce Young to me, I don't know how you guys feel like this watching him over the last two years. I think he like he's the best quarterback to come out of Alabama the last – three yeah. quarterbacks, two and Mac. He did it with fewer playmakers around him. And I don't want to oversell this, but I'm trying to think who was a better quarterback the last five years. I mean, Trevor, I guess like Trevor's last year wasn't Trevor. great, by the way, it was yeah. okay. It wasn't like lights out. But I mean, if Bryce Young is six two two oh five, he's nobody's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's nobody's right. questioning who the first pick of the draft. Like is. Joe Burrow is number one. I, I would put Joe Burrow number one. I would have a conversation about Bryce and Trevor. I don't know how you guys feel. Cause you watched that a lot more closely than I did. He won 29 straight games. Yeah, but the last year, like his last season, the first six games, he played pretty crappy. Like I was at the Syracuse game here, and he he was like, I was like, all right. I mean, come on. We've we've talked about it a lot on this show, though. That offense he was in, 
Yeah, was, fair enough. It was Trevor Lawrence was covering up a lot of just basic vanilla predictable aspects of that offense. Just okay, so let's Trevor say Lawrence. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Is it then prices or someone else that I'm missing? Fields, Last five years. I mean, like Fields at Ohio State had was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he's he, he he's dealing with honestly like the same things that we were saying about C.J. Stroud, where it's like oh you only you only play two to three games a year. You yeah. know what? How much stock can we put in the fact that you had like four passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown against you know Northwestern? Like we can't. Right. It, what are we going to do with that? But Fields not over Bryce, but I think Fields would probably be in that conversation as well from the last couple of years. Okay, no, that's fair. I'm not going to push back on that. We, now the the guys in next year's class we we think are better than Bryce and, and Stroud. Yeah, let me ask you guys this. So obviously um, Caleb. Williams, obviously Drake May. Is Quinn Ewers going to be in that conversation? Is he going to start? Yes. Assuming he is. Yes. I fully expect him to start. Yeah. Like start. I'm going to keep selling it as a competition yeah. to drive up interest <laughs> and oh, get okay. more people to tune in. Okay. But um, but yeah, no, this is just just because we're friends and nobody else is watching or listening. <laughs> like, I'm just going to tell you, Ryan, that yeah, I think that this is not a competition. Quinn Ewers okay. is probably going to start. Okay. And he's he a first round possibility. What's that, bud? Do you think he's a first-round possibility, Quinn Ewers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Michael Penix, you know, could be. Ooh, that's, that's a great kid one. at Washington. Has a really big arm. And um, Washington State, too, bud. I love that kid, too. Cam Ward? Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not a Cam Ward guy. Like, I mm. – the, 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 the deep ball accuracy is hot garbage. Like, <laughs> if you get, like I, I, I'm telling you, like, it's not there. I, 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 but he's I, fresh I, off of State. I think a lot of stuff was schemed up for him. Where'd he come from? He's a fresh off coming from the incarnate word. Yeah. I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. The word is incarnate and the deep ball is not. (laughs) (laughs) He he left. He left the incarnate incarnate words. Offense got better. That shouldn't happen. If you're like that damn good to where you're like like an FBS star, if you're at FCS, your offense should get worse. And it didn't. All right. Um, I think he has moments. I think he's got stuff to work on. I I do like Pratt is not a first rounder, but like is a guy that we had drafted. I mean, that guy, that guy's tough. I remember watching him play Oklahoma his freshman year, and he got like eight concussions in that game. I was like, okay, this is a tough dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing warms the heart of somebody watching college football than someone who's just, just watching an 18-year-old get his brain battered. I was for- like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we are always going to have that Fresno State UCLA game and Jake Hayner dying and coming yes. back to life several times over and what he was able to do. All My right. prediction is Jake Hayner, by the way, will be the new Chase Daniel, just hanging on rosters That's for the next call. 15 years, making good money as a backup. That's a good call. Um, we've Before we hit the break, we've been uh, talking about those four. Who's who's like number five or six? In the oh, man, four, five is easy. And Bud talked about it because I, I, I misspoke. Hidden Hooker. And I'm not even joking when I said after the Pro Day tour, and I'm probably overselling it, if Hinden hadn't had the ACL, he might be in the conversation for QB4. Mm-hmm. He is a really good football player. And the again, the offense, we talked about the UNC offense last year. The offense is weird. And everyone, you know, the, the, the wide splits where you're two inches away from the sidelines and you're maximizing space. Um, he's getting these half-field reads. But everyone I've talked to said when they get him into the room of the combine, he is sharp. Like, he is a sharp dude. Jalen Hyatt we spoke with, uh, Darnell Wright we spoke with, and they all said, this guy's a leader. First one in, last guy out. It's cliche, but I don't think they're just making it up. If you don't like a guy, you just don't say anything. And when we spoke to him, and Rick said this, he said, you know what, I had questions about him being 25 years old, the ACL injury, that means he's not going to play for two years. After we talked to him, Rick goes, you know what, 
<laughs> he, he might be a day two guy now. I, I take it back. And that that's the whole process. And it sounds weird. And there's a huge analytics part to evaluating these players when you talk to NFL teams. But at the end of the day, a lot of it's gut and a lot of it's the perception you get from meeting a person and getting a sense of who they are. And Hendon Hooker, I've yet to meet anyone that doesn't think he's a great human being. That is the pride of North Carolina public schools right there, baby. Dudley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. It produces some uh, produce, produces some fine, outstanding uh, men and women into society. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, mock draft, mock draft, mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. Let's, let's dig into the latest. Like, I guess this is version, I don't know, 392 of the last, you know, 200 days. But the latest Ryan Wilson mock draft, what's he seeing out there? And let's, let's pick apart some of the prospects and get Ryan's read on that. All that, plus your questions, next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast with Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports NFL draft analyst, expert extraordinaire, uh, friend of the show, and uh, and, and now a, a part of our breakdown. Looking ahead to the 2023 NFL draft and if you have not already if you're listening and you haven't gone to that other window either on your desktop on your mobile device and you haven't gone to subscribe to the with the first pick podcast go ahead and go do that that is Ryan Wilson that is former NFL general manager Rick Spielman they've been on a pro day tour and they're going to continue to give you the best NFL draft coverage uh, all the way through the big event in Kansas City coming up at the end of the month so let's call up that NFL mock draft. We've got it. The latest from Ryan Wilson. Uh, see what stands out. And in terms of uh, any players that we got, uh, Tom, what's uh, what's what's got your eye here, either in terms of a fit or a prospect? I feel like we can go a lot of different ways with this and uh, knock out knock out some good uh, good analysis. Um, it's my first player. I'll start with. It's a prospect we've spent a lot of time talking about on this show the last few years. You've got him going number eight in your mock it came out earlier this week he's not taking any kind of interviews <laughs> with anybody outside the top 10 what have you heard so far about how because like when when we first started doing this at the end of the season Jalen Carter was first second pick you know yep. or you know behind quarterbacks then the accident happened and that's how what are you hearing about how that has impacted his stock with teams. I mean, there was the accident. There was not working out at the combine. There was the poor pro day performance. What have you, from people you've talked to, what are you hearing from teams about what they think about Jalen Carter right now? 
So, Tom, we were actually at the combine on the set, getting ready to talk to the defensive lineman. It was supposed to be 10 o'clock, whatever day that was, 10 a.m. We were going to have Jalen Carter on set, and the tweet came out about the the issues with the the, the legal concerns based on the the tragedy with the the people dying in the in the car racing accident. So he didn't come on the stage to talk to the media. He didn't obviously come over to our set. He went home, and but the thing is, he was back in 24 hours. Drew, Drew Rosenhaus is his agent, I, I believe. They were back. Got tested. I think he went through some interviews. He didn't go through any interviews prior to that because based on what I heard, he wasn't asked about anything pertaining to legal issues. So he went through the interviews. And um, last I saw, I think it's been plea bargain. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. So that was one thing. And then a few weeks after that, he had his pro day. I'm sure you guys saw his pro day. He he had gained nine pounds, which it's one thing if you weigh 170. It's something else if you weigh played at 310 or whatever he played at. And then he looked out of shape. So he looked gassed by the end of that workout. And I'll compare that workout, and I didn't see the entire workout. I just saw clips of it, to what Javon Dexter did last week at Florida. And Javon Dexter is a guy, you guys know, is an incredible athlete who at times has been accused of not being laser-focused, play in and play out. And that's sort of the same issue you have with Jalen Carter. Like, I went back and watched the 2021 Jalen Carter, uh, the Georgia-Kentucky game, to see more Will Levis. What do you got, bud? I'm just curious, as, like, between Jalen Carter and, and Dexter, like, as, as NFL guys, Jalen Carter's got, like, his team's got skin in the game. They, they Their games are meaningful. Florida has been asked sorry for three years. Like, <laughs> how do you control for, like, how do you control for circumstances of the teams when, when we evaluate guys how hard they're playing, right? Like, do we, like, we really can't assume the counterfactual that Jalen Carter would have played, you know, as hard as he did when he was on the field if his team wasn't playing for anything. Like, I, I'm just always curious. I'm not asserting them. Just like, how do we, how do you balance that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. One of the things is like, how hard did Jalen Carter play, play in and play out last season? Because especially down uh, in January, there were concerns like, okay, why isn't he showing up? And then when he shows up, he's like a, a wrecking ball. Like, I, I don't know if this is crazy. I don't think it is. I thought he was the best defensive player on that team last year that had five yes. guys going the first round. The yes. way he played. And that, that Kentucky game just reaffirmed to me, like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy when he wants to be. In terms of Javon Dexter, I know exactly what Spielman would say. He says, well, what if it's week 17 and we've won two football games and we're paying you $5 million a year? Are you going to go out there and just half-ass it or are you going to show up? Because those are the that's the math you're trying to do when you're figuring out who you're going to draft and how much you're going to pay him. And, man, Javon Dexter looks so good. And I know when he's on, he is unstoppable. But back to Jalen Carter. So the issues are the, the legal stuff appears to be settled uh, from a legal standpoint. But then you wonder, like, why is he not showing up for the biggest interview of his life in shape? And maybe some of that's the lingering issues with the legal stuff. And then you go back and watch the tape and go, okay, I mean, there's no question. And, you know, Rick actually didn't love the idea. And you mentioned to Tom that he said, Jalen said, I'm only going to meet with teams in the top 10. I thought it was funny. Like, you know, it, it's not up to him at the end of the day where he gets drafted. But I think it's fair to say that if he's there at 10 and the Eagles are picking, guess what's going to happen? Uh, he's so he whatever he wants to say. And we've seen it time and time and time again where players have varying degrees of off-field issues. And if they can play, they're going to play. And I think that's where we are with Jalen Carter. I had not heard him being – the Todd McShay report came out in December or whenever that was. I hadn't heard anything bad about him. I talked to people that said he's a good kid. He came from a pretty crappy background, which isn't uncommon um, for, for players and playing football in college. And um, then he had the, the issues that happened that didn't paint him in the best light. So – I think he's a top 10 pick all day long. Eight might even be a little low, but it was just a run on quarterbacks. And then I think I had a trade for an offensive lineman or something. 
Going back to what Rick said about players like Javon Dexter, whether they're going to try hard in Week 17 and you've only won two games, do you think the Texans wish some of their players tried less hard in Week 17 <laughs> when they'd only won two games? That was a Lovey Smith revenge tour. Like, Lovey Smith, no, he's I'm getting fired. We're going to win this game. Or we're going to screw the organization for the next 10 years. But the thing is, I had heard that the Texans loved Bryce Young prior to the Panthers trading up. And I've heard that the Panthers like CJ, and that was prior to the Pro, uh, pro Day tour that we did. So it may work out perfectly for the Texans anyway. Maybe that CJ goes to number one and then Bryce goes number two. I I don't know what the best landing spot is in those two situations. Now, D'Amico Ryan's the new coach. Nick Cesario is still the offensive coordinator there. They do have another pick at 12, the Texans do. But in Carolina, you have Frank Reich. You have Jim Caldwell. You have new offensive coordinator Thomas Brown coming from the Rams. There are a lot of pieces in place to have some success in Carolina. It feels like sooner rather than perhaps the Texans might. But the Texans play in a pretty bad division outside of the Jaguars. So that's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. It may be a situation where Anthony Richardson goes to a better situation, whether it's Tennessee or, or Indianapolis or, or Las Vegas, than the guys that get drafted earlier. What about the, uh, like, you've got Will, if you're watching live on YouTube.com slash Cover 3, uh, we've got Ryan's latest mock draft up on the screen. And, you know, we mentioned Jalen Carter down there at 8. So when the Jalen Carter um, news first broke, one of the conversations was like, all right, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, like great chance for them to go be the top defensive player selected. You've got Will Anderson at five to Seattle, Wilson at six to Detroit. What are those two prospects looking like and, and how much of them being able to move up in the pecking order is coming from Carter's slot? So I'll tell you a quick story, Chip, because I was when Jalen Carter news broke, the first thing I asked Rick on the podcast was, okay, what were you thinking when Laramie Tunsil, when his, I think it was his relatives, released that tape? And, P, and Chip, you and I were sitting in Radio City Musical, I think, when this happened. And then when the video came out of him, you know, smoking something in, the, in that in that uh, gas mask, that was like 10 minutes before the draft started. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, OK, what's going to happen now? And Rick said, here's what has to happen. If you love Laramie Tunsil and this comes out, you got to go to your owner and say, how do you feel like drafting a guy wearing a gas mask and smoking something inside that gas mask? Looks weird, but I mean, he's a really good football player. And then, because what happens is you have to give a press conference the moment after you go to the draft, and then you've got to answer a bunch of questions to the media and to the sponsors about you bringing this person in. So there's there are layers to it. This isn't what happened with Jalen Carter, but it just reminded me that there's a lot going on other than fans going, oh, let's take the guy. He's awesome. Uh, in terms of Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson, Will Anderson was accused uh, of sort of taking plays off last year. Like He wasn't as dominant as he was in 2021, uh, but he played every game. He played in the bowl game. Maybe he wasn't as dominant. I think he saw more double teams. I think they played him uh, more reduced than they did out wide the previous year. I think he's a. I think he's an easy pick. Like Aiden Hutchinson, an easy pick. Like Chase Young's an easy pick. I think you take him and you feel great about it. He's a great dude. He's serious about football. He's serious about family. Um, and then Tyree. The issue with Tyree is that he had that foot injury. It wasn't a list, Frank, according to his agent in November. We talked to him a little bit at the Senior Bowl. And he wasn't working out there because of the of the of the foot. Didn't work out of the at the. Um, Combine, I think he's going to try to do something before the before the, the draft. We'll see. But you guys know this. I mean, I was standing next to him, and he looks he looks like he's be playing basketball. Like he's listed at two seventy, but it's six six and um, two seventy ish. He looks like he probably weighs two twenty. Like he is mm -hmm. live, but he is so strong. And I think his best football like is a, is a cliche, but he's going to get better uh, as he grows into his body and sort of learns the nuances of being an edge rusher because he's just winning on pure power and talent and speed right now. And, and the length you can't teach, just like with DeWan Jones. Like, you can't – There's, I mean, you could be 234 and be – like, you could be Nolan Smith, for example. Put Nolan Smith in Tyree Wilson's body, and, and then, you know, you have someone who is 
number one overall, like, yeah, or like yeah. you know, top defense player, no matter what. Yeah, no, exactly. So I, I think both those guys have a chance to be, I mean, they can be top five picks and, and Tyree Wilson, had he been healthy, he might've challenged Will Anderson to be the first defensive guy off the board, assuming that everything has stayed the same with, with Jalen Carter and perhaps any concerns about him. Now there's He's really going to see like two or three tight ends drafted in the first round. And, and if so, like, is that just a reflection on how poor the receiver class is? That's a great point. The receiver class is not great. And this tight ends class is, I don't want to say historically great, but it looks pretty good on paper. And here's the thing that I keep coming back to. Like there are five wide receiver uh, tight ends, excuse me. And depending on, on your flavor of tight end, you can get those guys in the top 40 picks. And Michael Mayer has been my tight end one the entire time. And I haven't really come off that. Um, he's more traditional, even though he can play in the slot. Uh, and then you have Dalton Kincaid, who had to transfer, only got a chance to play because of injury, and then he just went off. Like he ain't blocking anybody, but you're typically outside of Darnell Washington. You're not block. You're not drafting a wide receiver, or a tight end in the first round to block someone. And then you see Sam Laporta there at 15, and Sam Laporta and Lucas Van Ness were both getting a ton of buzz when we were at the Ohio State Pro Day. Ohio, Iowa had had their Pro Day the previous day, I believe, and you know, team officials were high off watching those guys perform. And Laporte is a perfect example of someone who plays in a dog crap offense and it's hard to tell whether he's good or not. George Kittle. Say, George Kittle. And I was going to say, Tom, Josh Palmer. Like, I watched Josh Palmer yeah. few years ago coming out. I was like, oh, this guy, he's he's not a player. And I had ter- several people say, his offense is crap. He's a good player, and you'll see that. And you go to the Chargers and Justin Herbert, and that sort of helps fix things. And then um, who's the other guy uh, that I like? Oh, Luke Musgrave. So Luke Musgrave is interesting. Like, um, I thought his ta- he had injuries uh, uh, that curtail much of, much of his season. He was okay at the Senior Bowl, but he's incredibly fast. He's so long. Uh, he has a couple focus drops, but teams are high on him, a little higher than I am on him. But I think those five guys I mentioned are all. If they went in the top forty-five, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be uh, surprised at all. So Laporta going fifteen to the Packers is more of your like read on the buzz than right. your personal rankings. You would have Mayer as your tight end one. Yeah, I I think Mayer's the safest pick. He does a lot of things well. He's not the best athlete. There are a lot of great athletes in this tight end class, uh, but he just feels like a solid football player. You know what you're getting. He can block a little bit. He's athletic enough to win in the slot, and then he can, he can block in line and and you know run routes from in line as well. Does he remind you of Hawkinson? Because that's who he reminds me of. You know, Hawkinson only ran a four seven five. It wasn't like yeah. he ran a four four. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty. That's an interesting comp. I think Hawkinson was a little more athletic, but and, and Mayer only weighed two forty nine ish. Maybe I thought he was a little heavier than that playing during the season, or at least he looked like he did. Uh, but that's not a bad comp. I, I could get behind that. All right, there's there's one thing in here that just disgusts me, and I need you to address it right now. At number ten, there it is. Do you think? There's a real chance Bijan. I mean, as a player, I would say Bijan is no worse than the third best football player in this draft. But when it comes to positional value, do you think there is an actual chance he is going to go that early in the first? And you really think the Eagles would be the one to do it? No, I don't. It's just it, look when you're on mock draft version. I think Chip called it 300, which it's probably pretty close. <laughs> you're just you're at the point where you're trying to see how angry you can make people. <laughs> Did get a lot of pushback on this though, which is sort of weird. But here, let, let me play devil's advocate, Tom. You tell me, you know how far down. So they pick at 10. The Eagles do. They pick again at 30. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles Sanders is now in Carolina. They get they did get Rashad Penny, but he's had an injury history, and they have Kenneth Gainwell. I don't think he's a, a running back one. Neither one is a running back one. They're right. both perfectly yeah. fine rotational pieces. So here are some teams that might be interested in running backs for various reasons. The Patriots at fourteen to help Mac Jones, assuming he's still there. Um, the Buccaneers—they're always a popular 
destination of running backs, Leonard Fournette. The Chargers at 21 is interesting to me because Austin Eckler is reportedly asked to be traded, and that's less pressure on Justin Herbert to take those hits that he takes. The Ravens at 22, uh, and then the Bills and Bengals at 27 and 28. Uh, the Bills only have James Cook and Naheem Hines on the roster at running back, and then um, there's some concerns about Joe Mixon and his future in Cincinnati. And for the same reasons I mentioned the Chargers, the Bengals might make some sense there. And then you have the Eagles at 30. So those are a bunch of teams that could possibly take Bijan. I think he goes in the second half of the first round. Honestly, between me and you guys, I like Jameer Gibbs a little better, but people are really? on Bijan. I think he is so electric. Now, the only ways he weighed 199 at his pro day, 5'9, 199, but he ran in the four threes. He's so quick. He compared himself to Christian McCaffrey. And I think you see that. You see Dalvin Cook. You see Alvin Kamara in his game. And, um, you know, Bijan's going to block a little better. That's fine. They can both make plays out of the backfield. I think Jameer's a little more dangerous. But I think at least one of these guys goes in the first round, but probably between pick 15 and 31. Looking at the Bijan second. Has better vision. Looking, looking at the uh, second half of the first round, there is a, there's a, there's a point that might be, you know, like. Baltimore Ravens, they haven't gotten an elite wide receiver talent for Lamar Jackson. If after all this, they go out and they get Quentin Johnson <laughs> right there at number 22. In Look, it is, as you mentioned, a wide receiver class that is not particularly loaded. Uh, Johnston benefited from a change in head coach and, of course, offensive coordinator, uh, both Sonny Dykes uh, and Garrett Riley. Would you... Besides the physical tools, which have been there since he was a freshman and was one of the Big 12 leaders in terms of yards per catch, you know, even before the coaching change, what do you like about Quentin Johnston from uh, from breaking him down? And could you imagine uh, the? I guess, I guess you've got the Ravens being able to actually increase their pass catching talent by bringing in somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, Bud talked about it. this quarter. This wide receivers class is it's not problematic, but it's not as deep as it has been in recent years, which is sort of weird given how the the trickle up effect from high school and college into the pros. Um, but so I've had, I had Jackson Smith and Jigma as a wide receiver one. I, I fell in love with him again after forgetting about him because he didn't play. He only played three games. I think he has a chance to, to be really good. Um, and then it gets murky. So Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, like teams really like Zay Flowers a lot. Jordan Addison at 173, only quotation marks ran a 449 at the combine. And people felt like, like people felt like that was slow, excuse me. But you watch him play. I mean, he's, you can't stop him whether it's at Pitt or, or USC. And then Quentin Johnson, <clears throat> I love Quentin Johnson. And you get pushback on, um, you know, he doesn't run tight enough routes. He has focus drops. The thing is, he wins at all three levels. You can throw a screen pass, he'll take it to the house. You can throw a slant, he'll take it to the house. You can run an intermediate dig, take it to the house. You see it time and time again. He's a high high point guy, big catch radius guy, all the words you like to use about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, wide receivers. And I don't know what he, I don't know if he ran in his pro day or not. He feels like a four or five guy, which is plenty fast. Jackson Smith and Jigler ran a four or five at the pro day. And people are like, okay, check that box, moving on. And I don't know. I think we're just at the point in the process where you're trying to find things wrong with these players. And that's why Quentin Johnson may be slipping a little bit. If he went 15 in the top half of the first round, I'd be fine with that. I think he's a really good football player. And look, Max Duggan's okay, but let's be real. He, he ain't Bryce Young out there throwing, throwing the ball to, to, the perfect spot. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know how you guys have these wide receivers ranked based on what you saw the last two or three years, but I, I like Quentin Johnson a lot. I, I have I like JSN up here. Yeah, you look, you've been on Zay for years, but I, I have JSN up here and then everybody else down here. Okay. Jackson, soft tissue in Jigba? Yeah, mm -hmm, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I, here's um, a question for you, somebody that's not in your first round. 
who's been in most of my first rounds, but I don't see him in, in pretty much anybody else's. I just want your thoughts on Cam Smith because I think personally he might be the best corner in this draft, but the most of the industry and everybody I talk to does not agree. So I would just love to hear what your thoughts are on him. I love Bud's doing sign language now. So he's too grabby, Bud. Is that your issue with Cam Smith? Yeah, extremely grabby. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And I also want to hear your thoughts on like, why should I not bet Deontay Banks to be the first corner taken at 50 to one? Oh my God. Deontay Banks is a stud. I love Deontay Banks. So first, Cam Smith. You know what's interesting, Tom? It's like he's pretty—he's not divi- the, uh, divisive, but there are a lot of different opinions on Cam Smith. And I wanted to like him, and I just couldn't get behind him. He plays a lot of off. He plays a lot with his ass to the sidelines, which isn't necessarily problematic or anything. Maybe mm-hmm. the scheme. Um, and he is grabby. But the funny thing about grabby, and Joey Porter's pretty grabby too. I asked mm-hmm. him about this, and he said, here's what you do. You can coach. Like, that's one of the things you can coach out of a player. We had a player who was grabby. We think he's Xavier Rose, but he wouldn't say. And he said, in practice, we just made him wear boxing gloves. So he can't grab on anyone. And then, you know, he coaches out of him. He does everything else extremely well. Um, I just – I got to the point where after Darius Rush went through the senior bowl where he – I've never seen anyone be so dominant in practice as Dar- Darius Rush was. Darius Rush is 6'2", I think, ran in the four threes. The coaches love him at South Carolina. He's a great teammate. He's going to play special teams. I almost like Darius Rush a little more, and that might be crazy, but there are people that like Cam Smith uh, in the first round, and he very well could go in the first round. I just never got behind it. He reminds me of a skinnier Marshawn Lattimore. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I I didn't know if I saw that athleticism because Marshawn's incredibly athletic, but I understand. Mm -hmm. I, I see where you're going with that. Now Deontay Banks is is fun. Like he is, he's long. He has he's athletic. He has a ton of confidence. We talked to him, and he's a little quirky, but a quirky with confidence. And the thing is, for from my perspective, I was going into the season focused on Jacorian Bennett, who I thought had a good year. Um, he's probably going to be a day two guy as well. But I think Deontay Banks was like shut down good. And uh, to to Bud's point, these guys are pretty much clustered together. Like Christian Gonzalez is getting a lot of first cornerback buzz, but he reminds me a lot of Kyrie Elam. And in that he ain't particularly happy about tackling people in the run game. Like he'll contest the ball in the air. And that's pretty important for the job description. But Deontay Banks is not afraid of anything. And he said, if you want to see my game, go watch me play Marvin Harrison the second. And there were very few guys, Joey Porter's one of them, who had success against Marvin Harrison the second. And and Deontay Banks is one of them. I don't know what the odds are, bud, on him going first overall, but I mean that's I don't hate it, whatever they are. I'm fifty to one. What is it? 50 to 1. Oh, oh. Not first overall, first cornerback taken. He ain't going yes. first overall. Yeah, first corner. <laughs> yeah. First corner. I mean, yeah, it could it, it could definitely be there. Um any other uh any other questions from this uh this this portion of the uh the mock draft then we'll uh we'll hit a break and and take some questions. So go ahead and get them in the chat if you would uh, if you got a question for Ryan. Can so I ask a quick question? While on, you, on, oh yeah, go ahead, bud. Please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, go go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys about Brian Brzee because obviously tragedy last year didn't have a good good tape last year. He had these random like uh, issues like respiratory sickness and just random stuff that wouldn't happen to you. You expect the year before that the ACL five star coming out and I didn't love his tape, but we talked to him and you know, like he's a genuine dude and you understand what he's going through and you feel like once he gets his life in, in order off the field as much as you can after going through a tragedy, he might be legit. Like he didn't have first round tape last year. But do you guys see him as a potential first round player based on what you've seen from him previously? When when he's locked in, he is a game wrecker. 
he's not he's not as athletic of a freak as Jalen Carter is, but he can be just as disruptive at times. Like when when he's playing well, he is probably the best player on the field. Hmm. Yep. Thick. Yeah. Like I, absolutely, absolutely disruptive through and through. I, I like okay. it. Love yeah. it. I'm I'm in. Like honestly, he this also is the funny a guy thing. who is learning how to play inside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was an he was an in through most of high school, right? So like some of these guys take a little bit. It's it's process if you got blockers coming at you from different angles, right? Whereas yeah, you know, if you're a guy playing point. inside for a longer time, you like you kind of have that lateral sense to you. Um, I mean, I, Miles I Murphy was more Miles Murphy was more of a freak at yeah. Clemson, but in terms of the way that Clemson people talk about those two, I hear more affection. For Brian Brzee. All right, that's great to know. I also think losing Venables probably impacted him too because Venables is such a good defensive line coach. And I think not having him around probably he got with everything going on in his life off the field and then Venables not being there, I think he just got kind of sloppy last year. And Venables took Chavis, who was the D-line coach at Clemson too. Mm-hmm. So like you lost Brent. All right, All right so Nolan Smith. Right, Nolan oh, yeah. Smith, we put an extremely high great on him coming out obviously like on the composite he was the number one player in the country workout warrior at img smaller guy like he he's not six three right like he's probably like six six one seven eight six two like like i mean he's i, I don't know what, what he measured at the combine but he's like i'll tell you in a second okay like i i didn't he grew since, since high school <laughs> but like my question is you know he he got to georgia and did some good things for Georgia, but wasn't like a pass rushing menace, right? Like he the the workout warrior stuff, and I like Nolan; he's a really confident guy. It didn't really translate at all at Georgia. So why, if you're a team take, taking the first round, are you thinking that Nolan Smith's going to be like? Do you take a six foot two pass rusher who doesn't have good pass rush production in the first round? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I yeah. think this is a guy who could slip out. So, no, that's right. And we talked about this in, in, in the summer, and, and you basically said the same thing. 6'2 and 1'8", 238, 32 and 5'8 inch arms, which is pretty good. 4'3", 40, which gets your attention, right? But here's the thing, and you're, and you're right, bud. Like, when you watch that 2021 Georgia team, we talked about Jalen Carter every single play. There wasn't a lot of talk about Nolan Smith. And this year he got hurt. He had the pec injury. And it doesn't – Part of me thinks like, okay, so we talk about Lucas Van Ness never started a game, but Lucas Van Ness is 275, and when you talk to teams, they're like, he's going to add 15 pounds, and he's barely shaving. Nolan Smith ain't adding 15 pounds because he's going to he he'll probably lose the twitch. And then the question becomes, where do you put him? Is he an off ball linebacker? Well, he hasn't played there. He doesn't drop into coverage at Georgia. So is he just a situational pass rusher? In which case, are you taking him top 31 just to to play you know 20 snaps a game? And and that's what you have to figure out. And I, I think that's a legit question. And this edge rush class isn't necessarily deep with, you know, the Will Andersons of the world, the the, the big names. But they're guys. Like if you told me I had to take Keon White or or Nolan Smith for an edge rusher, I'm taking Keon White. Like I think Keon White has a chance to be really good. Um, I think he's ODU transfer out of Georgia Tech, and he weighs 280, and he can play out wide. You can slip him inside, reduce him a little bit. Whereas there's no such versatility with with Nolan Smith because he ain't playing three technique and he ain't dropping into coverage. So what are you doing with him? Mm. You know, like North Carolina public schools, proud graduate. And he mm-hmm. was, uh, he was two thirty in high school. So he's one of these guys that's added 50 pounds. 
Unbelievable. And he looks great. Like we talked to him. He's a confident dude. And he he remembered that no one gave him any stars until he got an ODU offer. And he said, Didn't you only gave me two stars? And I'm still pissed about that. <laughs> he should have been Elliot at gmail.com. Bud Elliott, CFB at gmail.com. If you'd like to sponsor an upcoming Cover 3 Roadshow or complain about your high school recruiting ranking, that is Bud Elliott, CFB at gmail.com. Coming up on the other side, your questions, our questions for Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports NFL draft expert. Next. We got a couple uh, loyal regulars here with questions for Ryan, so I'm going to go ahead and get those up here. Isaac says, I've seen mixed reviews on Will McDonald. Would it have been better for him or players like him to declare last year due to his lack of numbers and being older? Well, I think the issue with Will McDonald is that he's slight, slight frame. So last year he probably wasn't Still heavier. I don't, frame. I don't think uh, he's long. Like they played him, they played him a little too. They played him inside at times at Iowa. I think Iowa State. I think um, you play him outside. He's he's sort of in the same conversation as Nolan Smith. He's going to be a situational pass rusher you can get after because of long arms and, and leverage, and he's twitched up a little bit. He is going to do a whole bunch against the run, and that's something you have to take into consideration. I don't like him in the first round. I think he's a day two guy with with upside. And he sort of, and Spielman talks all the time about clusters. Like you put these players in, in similar buckets when you're going through the draft process to see uh, the body type and, and where they fall on your draft board. And, and if you need to feel that need, you look at that area. And I think uh, in one of the buckets is Nolan Smith and, and probably uh, Will McDonald because Will McDonald's taller, but they're both slight of frame, longish arms, and they're not going to do as much against the run as perhaps uh, a Keon Whitewood, for example, or. Um, Jalen Carter, if he's inside, but you know, Will Anderson can play the run. So th that's a concern. I, I think, you know, I don't know if he, he gets drafted higher last year. He, he's going to go on day two. He might even go at the end of round one if the team really loves him. And we see the Se like the Seahawks have two first round picks and they all the time are taking picks that no one, like LJ Collier in the first round uh, for them a few years ago. And everyone's like, okay, is that the same LJ Collier that everyone else was watching during college? Um, but so there's a possibility that it happens, but you know, worst case scenario, he's a top 60 guy. That uh, what about right here? Speaking of the defensive side of the ball, short round. The real question is why is Kalaja Kansi seen as a first round pick? So Kalaja Kansi, you guys know this. When you watch him, you're like, oh my god, this guy is crazy. Like he is so good. And then here, here's where we get into the pre-draft process. You look at the measurables, and he weighed. Let me get make sure I got it. Is it two seventy? So he was at the combine. He was six feet five eight, so almost six mm -hmm. one. That's fine. Two eighty one, great. Uh, his arms actually grew. He had twenty nine inch arms at one point. They're thirty and five eighths inch arms, and that is that's not a, sure. a no go. That's almost like a wide receiver, right? That's like a wide receiver running mm -hmm. a four eight five. Like it's almost unheard of, right? T Rex Fornelli <laughs> yeah. over there mm -hmm. impersonating Kalajikansi. But if he can get through the gaps. But if he can like get through the gaps and get create all that problem right in the middle, right, right, he's got other body parts. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But, so that's that's what you have to figure out. You have to figure out. Okay, are we willing to forego historical data telling us that guys with short arms on the inside are going to struggle versus this guy being a once in a generation talent? I don't mean he's going to be Aaron Donald. That's been the unfair comparisons because Aaron Donald's he's an interior defensive lineman from Pitt who's able mm -hmm. to like, you know, yeah. overcome all of yeah. these. Yeah. But Kalaja can't see, like when I watched him in the fall, I said, okay, this is a day two guy. I didn't know what his arm length was, but just the way he's playing and maybe that changes, uh, maybe gets higher. 
I, I don't know if he goes around one because of the the physical limitations based on history. But to your point, Chip, everyone has eyes. You can see what he's doing and no one can stop him. So how do you balance those two things? Yeah, it's the same situation with like with Peter Skaronsky, who's going to be a top yeah. 10 pick in all likelihood. But if he had longer arms, he might be the first pick in the draft. Yeah. But if Skaronsky like, fails, he can kick down inside the guard. Yeah. To guard. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. If Will McDonald fails or some of these other, or Cansey fails, I, I, I have to kick him to the bench. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's like, a good that's, point. I think, I think that like the position versatility helps keep Skaronsky up high. Mm hmm. That's a good point, bud. Uh, Caleb asks, where does Ryan think Jalen Hyatt will place in the draft order or go? So I've had him going in the first round a lot, especially during the fall when he was just lighting up teams, especially Alabama. And we talked to him at the combine and he, here's the thing that Spielman concerns in general, not just about Jalen Hyatt. One year productivity guys give him pause and I get it. Like he's the, why weren't you playing earlier? And my counter to that is, well, Rick, um, he had uh, Cedric Tillman in front of him and Cedric Tillman's a pretty good player when healthy, he's going to get drafted and he got injured so that it provided an opportunity. And Jalen Hyatt took the bull by the horns and went off. I can, my comp, my loose comp, it's not apples to apples, but is Mike Wallace. Cause Mike Tomlin used to always joke that Mike Wallace was a one trick pony, just runs go routes and no one can catch him. And Jalen Hyatt sort of does that. One of the, and Jalen Jalen has a ton of confidence and uh, he he's I applaud the applaud him for taking advantage of the opportunity because sometimes kids fall flat flat on their face he didn't do that one of the things I've heard about him is that he ain't crazy about working out like getting stronger he might be crazy about working out but like getting stronger because he's thin mm-hmm. and you know durability becomes an issue then I think he's a top fifty pick and again to Bud's point this wide receiver class isn't that deep and if you want someone just to stretch the defense like if the Cowboys drafted him and just let CD Lamb do his damage underneath, and all Jalen's doing is running clearouts. I mean, there there are worse places for him to land, and, and worse jobs to have early in your career as you grow into a number two role. It's pretty much the entire Chiefs' offensive philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have a question for you. Can you rank Hyatt relative to these receivers: Kendall Wright, Katie Cannon, Terrence Williams, Tevin Reese, Corey Coleman, Denzel Mims? Oh gosh. So Kendall Wright, Denzel Mims. Corey Coleman. Good he Lord. just listed Baylor wide receivers. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. doing Katie Baylor. I, I listed all, all the Baylor guys that put up insane stats, but don't have to yeah. get off the line of scrimmage because because they, they're 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 in stack release. Hey, they they, they get a they get a they get a three step head start at the line of scrimmage, and they're running slot choice all the time. So they're usually facing safeties, not corners. Like, yeah, me, hey man, I I'm not high on Hyatt because I I may be really wrong, maybe a stud, but like the track record of guys that play that slot position. Is terrible, like, like it's in that sort of Baylor Browse offense. That's a great point. I'm, I'm skeptical think, on it. No, that's fair. And to to back that up, if you're not crazy about getting stronger, which is the the word on the street, maybe it's not true. But that means you're going to struggle to get off the line of scrimmage against the Dante Banks of the world when they have their hands on you. And right now, and against corners, not safeties. That's right, absolutely. And the other thing is like. Corey Coleman shouldn't have been drafted in the first round. I think that's just a huge whiff. But I take your point. Um, and Tyquan Thornton, you throw him in there too? Uh, he is – I need to scroll down more. I, I got one screen today, and, I, and my, my thing uh, is this slow. So, because I had uh, questions about Tyquan Thornton getting drafted in the second round. Receiver. Yeah, so I had questions about him getting drafted in the second round. But that's a fair point. I, maybe the only upside for Jalen is that he didn't actually go to Baylor, so that gives him a slight advantage. But those are fair concerns given the, the, the size – Weight, speed, 
he has the speed, and then playing in an offense where you're not required to get off man coverage consistently. I mean, I, I've talked about this with Baby Moon off air plenty of times, but I think that if I'm taking a Tennessee <laughs> receiver, I would rather have Cedric Tillman than Jalen Hyatt. Yeah. Yes. Let me ask you guys Tillman's this. So, a beast. Well, that's let me ask you guys both this because he reminds me he's a more athletic version of Nikhil Harry, and maybe last year he was just injured. Mm-hmm. Like guys who make a ton of contested catches in college typically can't get open in the NFL. So where are you between Tillman and Jalen Hyde in that regard? I would rather have Tillman. I think okay. I, in a in an NFL yeah. offense, as far as somebody facing press coverage kind of stuff of being strong enough to get off, like he's not a burner. He's not going right. to be the guy that gets open deep. But I think he could be a Keenan Allen type player. I don't oh, think he's Lord. as I don't think he's as explosive as Keenan Allen was. So I don't want to make that kind of. And Keenan ran like a four six or four seven too, so he wasn't yeah, a burner. Right. But he was very Keenan's very sudden. I don't right. know if Cedric is as sudden as Keenan Allen is, but I think they have a lot in common otherwise. Okay. Are you going to do a seven round mock? Yes. Oh my god. Yes, I am. Who are so? This is the question for the cover three audience and for like us. Who are you excited about rolling out in that seven round mock that you just like? Because you're going to have to write a whole bunch of player blurbs or you're going to have to like stand on something. Who's a, a college name that you are like excited to be too high on? Because that's what happens is, you know, sometimes you always like you rank and you re rank and there's teams and there's players that you're like, you know what? I'm excited to stand on this one because I, I think that this is going to be uh, a player that is going to be able to exceed expectations or I'll be able to be right about him. Who's who are you excited about rolling out in the, in the seven round mock and standing for? All right, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to li- read you guys a list of names. Then I'll ask you individually, which name you like the best off this list in terms of potential success in the NFL. Cause these are guys that I really like and to varying degrees you've heard of them. And maybe some listeners haven't just because I, I might do a couple deep dives here. So Evan Hall running back out of Northwestern tank Dell wide receiver out of Houston. He's, he's a small guy. Um, City So, Eastern uh, Eastern Michigan offensive lineman. Sick. He's Sick. a wild man. And I'll mention one more. Drake Thomas, linebacker at NC State. I watched that guy play, and I said, this guy, if he were, he's basically the, the Bryce Young of linebackers. Like, if he were 6'2", 245, he might be a first. I was like, oh, my God, because Isaiah Moore is on that linebacker crew, too. And, he'd probably and get Peyton drafted. Wilson was there, too. When and Peyton Wilson, he's coming back. But I was like, Drake Thomas, where have you been? So Drake Thomas, linebacker, City So, offensive lineman, Eastern Michigan, Tank Dell, wide receiver, Houston, Evan Hull, running back, Northwestern. But who do you like on that list? Oh, uh, did we find it? Uh, but, oh, there it is. City So can really kind of intrigues me. But the City So kid intrigues me. Tank Dell, like, I know what he is. Like, would you rather spend a first rounder? Did he not run well? I, I thought Tank Dell was, was going to be a corner based on how he played at Houston. Oh, wait. What, I'm sorry. What did you say? Did, did Tank Dell not run well? Did Tank oh, Dell not run uh, well? No, he, he ran pretty well. Let me double check here. See, I think the problem with Nathaniel Dell. You better have him as like a fifth rounder than I had as a first he's a, rounder. He ran a 4.49, but he's 5.8, 163. Yeah, he's so tiny. Drake Thomas won. Okay. Tank Dell, two. Like Tank Dale's electric, he gives you returnability, and he is right. tough. Like he came from a huge family. He's a wrestler, so wrestlers typically you like him on offensive, defensive yep. line. But a, a wrestler is a wide receiver. Why Physicality? not? Sure. Yeah. 100%. See, I I would probably Evan, go Evan Hall fourth. I love Evan Hall. Like he's Evan Hall's a good football player. He just played on a terrible team. Like they had him running wildcat. That offense was so mm-hmm. bad. Like all right, you just yeah. go out there and make it happen. But didn't he run like a four four five? He ran a, a surprisingly fast. 
And I will tell you in seconds, he ran a four, four, seven. Well done. Yeah. And I mean, that's like Northwestern's got all these dudes running four fours at the combine and they're growing the grass at Ryan field three feet high. For some reason, it's like, <laughs> why don't you use some of the speed you actually have? I would go, I would go Drake Thomas one, just because I do think that's the guy who at a very minimum is going to be like a special teams captain for you. Oh, years. by the yes. way, sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I want to say, and Bud mentioned this because he's using the chat now. You see your Abdullah and Yaya Diaby both from Louisville. I love both those guys. I love Diaby, yeah. Uh, Abdullah is 234-ish, I think. He plays much bigger than Nolan Smith plays. Like, he plays, you know, to, to be an old man, like his hair is on fire. Like, he he's a lot of fun. Yaya Diaby I watched in the falls. Like, oh, my God, who is this guy? He's sort of a tweener at 260-ish, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but that versatility is interesting as well. No, that's a good call, bud. I had him on my list. You know some other names or we got to do something else? Like, I mean, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, like, Ventro Miller is a guy for me that I think is, is – I would, like, almost never make an adjustment in my betting process for a linebacker being out. But when he was out, Florida's defense was like, measurably worse. Like, if you did – like, in NBA, they have this thing called, like, plus minus, I think it is, right, where – like they can show how good you your team is when you're on the field or, or when you're on the court or when you're not on the court. If we had that for Florida, I think like Victor Miller for Florida's defense would be really impactful. So I I, I think he's worth worth the draft pick and list. Here's the thing I'll tell you about Ventro Miller, and I agree with you. I think he was a really good football player. He's older. At the combine at the excuse me, the pro day last week. And they make these kids take their shirts off, which I think is super weird, but whatever. That's that's the business we're in. He was 5'11", 232, but he wasn't a rocked up 5'11", 232. He looked like me, 5'11", 232, as a middle-aged man. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Like, you look like an offensive lineman body. You don't have a, a linebacker body. And he didn't run. 232 so I don't at 5'11", you hide it really well. <laughs> no, I'm not 232. <laughs> Just from the – you only get to see this part of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a, I have a dad by because I'm, I'm I'm middle aged. But um, he didn't run. So then you're like, okay, why aren't you running? Because everyone else is running, and you have questions about the speed. But I agree. Like I thought he he was a really good football player and really important to what they were doing at Florida. As you mentioned, they they've struggled in recent years. Um, I I don't know if he's getting drafted. Like if this were three years ago, maybe because he's I think he's like a six year or something. So there are gonna be questions about that. But. To your point, I don't take away anything that he provided to that uh, to that defense because he was a big part of that. Okay, so let's do. Uh, oh, go ahead, Tom. Do you have? Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, the name of the Cal safety, I can't remember right off. The oh yeah, Daniel Thomas. There we go, Thomas. And then Olu Oluwatimi is somebody who I really like, who I was singing the praises of all season long. Yeah, this, the here. Michigan center. It's funny, like teams are mixed on him. Like they're not as high on him. I liked him when I watched him, and then teams like, yeah, he's okay. But mm -hmm. you have Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin, who's six six somehow. Uh, you have Whipler out of Ohio State, who's going to get drafted pretty high. You have John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Do you want a six-six center though? The thing is, like I want, like, like Spielman's like he's on the ground a lot. Um, it's like, eh, he's not on the ground any more than John Michael Schmitz, who you love. But John Michael Schmitz, they all have short arms. Like I think mm -hmm. Whipler's arms are like thirty-one inches at the pro day. But um, John Michael Schmitz is a wrestling background. I would guess Whipler by looking at him, he looks like he's wrestled either in his spare time or, or on the high school team. Um, so right, six six is sort of weird and it sort of sticks out for sure. But I, I agree. I like the Michigan, the Michigan center as well. Oh, one other name I wanted to mention. I don't know if you guys saw this guy. Sacramento State, Marty Mapu. Mm -mm. Safety slash linebacker. No, I don't know him. Late invite to the to the senior bowl, practiced a couple days, and I think he, he went out with an injury. He reminds me a little bit of Jeremy Chin, a little bit of uh Taloa Hufanga, like that type of like chess piece. Um, I think he's going to get drafted. He didn't get a combine invite, but that's a name also. If you're looking for a deep cut, 
I don't know if there's going to be odds on Marty Mapu getting drafted, but he he's getting drafted. So if you see him, take him. What about uh, the deep in your seven round mock? What are going to be those quarterbacks that end up getting uh, getting snapped up later in the uh, later in the process? Yeah, Tom was joking about Jay Kaner earlier. It feels like these guys are like the the same player, like Clayton Toon, uh, Jay Kaner, like the the um, Tyson Bajet stuff out of Shepard, the Division Two. I, I don't like strong arm. I don't get the rest of it. Like he struggles with the accuracy. He got a senior bowl invite and and it looked like the moment may have been a little too big for him. His dad's sort of a, a, a presence too. Like he's a professional arm wrestler, which, which is weird in any number of reasons. I think I like Aiden O'Connell as my quarterback six. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like the, like of the four of us, he would be the least athletic. Mm-hmm. Like he, he ain't winning outside the pocket, but he's tough. Like he's smart. He will take a ton of hits. He had tragedy in his life last season too. And, and like play through that. Tanner McKee do not get, on any level, like people were talking about him as a first round pick and maybe you guys feel differently, but like Davis Mills is like Peyton Manning compared to Tanner McKee in, <laughs> in terms of quarterback play. Like, is there anything I'm missing on Tanner McKee? The rest of the roster at Stanford has been <laughs> like, degrading year over year because Stanford can't take transfers. Oh, okay. Right. And, and I like, like Michael like Wilson, they, by the way. Like, The, the the Michael Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I like him. But go ahead. Sorry. He uh, w- Wilson can go up and get it. Really, like really. Um, yeah. So like Stanford's roster is it's just terrible now. I mean, uh, like and I, I just uh, I think that you kind of have to grade the key on a curve with that. To be honest. All right. Let's play the. the, this is the Prisco, let's play the pre, pre, uh, excuse me, Pete Prisco Will Levis game where he says, "Well, if Will Levis was on Alabama, things would be differently." So let's say Tanner McKee is in Alabama. If Will Levis was in Alabama, he'd have lost the QB competition to Bryce Young. There, boom. <laughs> There's your answer, Pete. <laughs> well, what if Tanner McKee is playing with that Alabama player, the players around him? How much better is he? Like, I'm not convinced he'd be a lot better. I thought that Bryce Young made Alabama better. Like, I thought that the offense yeah. did not yeah. work very well. The wide receiver room was Alab- underdeveloped. And Alabama's offensive line, I mean, Will Levis's offensive line at Kentucky was one of the worst in the country. Alabama's offensive line the last couple of years has not been very good. And Bryce Young has been playing behind Ryan, it. Right. Write these names down for 20, uh, 24 and 25 draft. Uh, yeah. Tyler Booker. Tyler Booker. Uh, yep. Could be like a, fir- like a first round guard slash tackle. Uh, J.C. Latham uh, is definitely like a guy that look like just there's certain dudes even when they're 15 or 16 have a look of like that guy's first rounder if he stays healthy. All right, he's he's going to be their starting like he'll be their starting left tackle. Like Bama's O line is going to be better. Love it. Um, oh, by the way, the other name is Jaron Hall. I actually liked his tape at BYU. He had a terrible senior bowl. He's he's undersized. Max Duggan had a terrible senior bowl, and yes. we know what we have in Max Duggan. He didn't even start the year. Great teammate. Got an opportunity to start and took advantage of it. Excellent college quarterback, Max Duggan. Dorian Thompson-Robinson is mm-hmm. interesting. Malik Cunningham is undersized. He's interesting. He plays with an edge. I give him credit for that. But all those guys are the same to me. Like Setson Bennett, I'm not drafting him on just on principle. Like, you <laughs> You can't show up to the senior bowl and then you're out right. knocking. Ryan's got to go. Ryan's got to go. Ryan's not allowed on this show anymore. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We will not be having any Stetson slander here. That's Bud's job. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Bud. What's the reason? So the, the principal is not Stetson Bennett principal. The principal is what he has done with it, how he has handled the, the success in the draft process. And he's 43. Like he's literally 
has gray hair. He looks like you, Chip, when he takes his Oh, hat. okay. So the knock on Anthony Richardson is he doesn't have enough experience. And the knock on Stetson <laughs> is he's too experienced. He knows life. He's seen some things. <laughs> would you draft him, Tom? I would draft Stetson late. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I Bud's think. right. Chip has much better hair than Stetson as well. I just meant the gray part. <laughs> Uh, he is Ryan. Ryan, thank you so much for uh, who do you have last in your seven round mock? <laughs> oh, right. Who's the Brock Purdy of this? You know what? I'm going with Drake Thomas. Like, I would take Drake Thomas in the third round if he were healthy, but for sheer no longer Mr. Relevant status, thanks to Brock Purdy, I'm taking Drake Thomas. Like, I love that guy. Do you think and I'm, a one, Car- I'm a Carolina homer? One last dumb question. Yeah. Jake Moody getting drafted. Not He's a taking- lot of kickers out there that are kicker from 100% Michigan. from 50 yards all season oh. long. It's funny. I was like, oh, my God, a player don't know. Yeah, special teamer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Jake Moody's getting drafted. I will check. I will reach out to people and see. I'll burn some some uh, draft capital talk on, hey, do you think this kicker's getting drafted? You know I'm just funny? saying, I watch NFL kickers miss from 50 often. This kid never misses from 50 plus. If I'm a team and I need a kicker seventh round, I would take a shot on it. Hey, kind Michigan, of important. Michigan was inefficient in the red zone. He got a lot of kicks. Yes. <laughs> I've, actually, I've, asked, I've asked Bjorn about this. And I've asked scouts about this, about scouting kickers. And they're like, yeah, we don't know. We just we do what the special teams coach tells us. Like, we have no idea. So if the league isn't taking it seriously, Tom, I don't know what to tell you about Jake. I hope Jake Moody gets drafted just to overcome the, the sets and Bennett slander. Market inefficiency. I'm telling you right now, we are going to change the NFL by drafting kickers in the seventh round. It's going to be so important to have a kicker on a rookie deal to win the Super Bowl. You'll see. You'll see. You'll all see. Market started here on this Cover 3 podcast. We will be back Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for opening up that big old bag of mail. Plus, of course, live audience questions. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at RyanWilsonCBS. You can follow him at Tom Brunelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.